one back there? Perfect, excellent. All right, good evening. If you can open your Bibles, please, and turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, whoa, a bit loud back there. Um, it's the power of God working in me right now. Um, so, it's, it's interesting that this month we're looking at the simplicity of salvation. You know, and as, as um, Dean was describing there, it really is very simple. You know, God has made it simple enough that anyone can really understand it. But the more I look around today in Christianity and the more I listen to, you know, various Christian groups or Christians online and, you know, on their blogs or on their video channels and different things like that, the one thing that I'm starting to see more and more often is that for a lot of people, salvation is becoming less and less simple. There seems to be a lot of confusion around the area of salvation. There seems to be confusion right throughout the world um, in these days, you know, I think Satan started in the Garden of Eden by confusing Eve and by confusing Adam, confusing them to the point where they possibly didn't know which, what was right and what was wrong. You know, and I believe throughout the years, you know, Satan tried different tactics, tried, you know, using brute evil to get his way in the world. And I think people, you know, around the times of World War I and World War II could sense that evil. They could see that evil and they band together to fight that evil because they knew that wasn't good. They were trying to fight for what was good. And I think Satan has kind of come back around again and he's going back to his old and trying to tactic of confusion. He is using confusion to confuse the... Um, the people of the world, the unbelievers, but not just them, but also Christians also. He is using confusion. If we are confused, we will not be able to do what God wants us to do. And around salvation, there seems to be a lot of confusion. It doesn't seem so simple to various different Christian groups. One, you know, one person will say one thing and another person will say something else. And the two biggest kind of uh, confusion points with around salvation at the moment seems to be around you know, are we saved by faith alone or are we saved by faith plus works? You know, is it a is it a works-based salvation or is it by faith alone? And I believe Satan is doing a good job of confusing Christians. He's confusing people as to what truly saves us versus what people are teaching or what people are trying to put across as what they think salvation is. You know, so here we come to the book of James, and you know we're going to read some things here in James. We're going to see just where some of this confusion is stemming from. So if you look there in verse 14, we'll, we'll start there in, in verse 14 in the book of James, and it says, what does it, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If her brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. 
Show me thy face without thy works, and I will show thee my face by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son up upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by, by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them in, out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's just open in a word of prayer before we go further in to the book of James here. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you now again for another wonderful day, Lord. We thank you that, um, we thank you for each new day that you give us, Lord. We thank you that we can just come here to meet together as a, as a, as a family, Lord, as a, as a local, um, group of believers, just to hear from your word and to fellowship with one another and to edify one another, Lord God. We thank you that we can meet here safely and we pray that it would, it would last um, for a long, a long time yet that we can meet here together safely, unlike some other Christians in the rest of the world. I pray to you just um, bless our time now together, Lord. Um, use your word to build us up and to teach us some new things and to strengthen us. And um, keep us safe as we go about our business this week and till we meet again. And um, we just bring Pastor Craig and Nita before you as well and keep them safe in their travels like you've been doing so um, even now, Lord God. And we pray you continue to do so and just bless them and give them rest and give them um, enjoyment with family over there and um, provide for their needs and just um, help them to recharge and refuel uh, both physically and spiritually Lord and bring them back safely to us and bless them and pray that you just bless the rest of us here as well Lord and keep us safe as a church family in Jesus name I pray amen so here we can see James James is talking to the Christians here he's talking to the believers and James is talking about um, works. He's talking about faith, and he's talking about faith without works. And <clears throat> at first, when you read through James, and you see that he's describing Abraham and that how he was not justified by faith only, but by also by his works. When we when we first look at this, a lot of people, you know, will the first thing they'll see is that they'll see that James is contradicting what Paul was saying in many of his epistles that salvation is by faith alone, by faith alone, that works can't get us into heaven, works can't, um, you know, pay for our sins. That was Paul's message. That was the gospel. That's what Paul was preaching throughout, um, throughout all the countries he visited and then through each one of his epistles. That was his constant theme, that it is faith alone. It is not works that saves us. He says, he says so in Ephesians, doesn't he? In, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that it's by grace we save through faith. So at first glance, when you look at this, and when people look at this, they will see there must be some contradictions here. Because James doesn't seem to be talking in the same way that Paul is talking, or at least he's, he's talking in a, in, a, in a way that seems, at least um, at, at initial appearance, to be in contradiction with what Paul is saying. But when you study it out, you know, when you read it again and read it again, and then read what Paul is saying, and you go back and read what James is saying, you'll 
you'll come to the conclusion, or you should come to the conclusion, that both Paul and James are in perfect agreement with each other. They're actually, they are agreed, they're of one opinion. They are not disagreeing with each other. They are not fighting with each other. They are actually in agreement. Paul, in many of his epistles, is defending the gospel and attacking the false teaching, or at least one false teaching at that time, and some false doctrines, that salvation is by works. You know, there was a lot of people, um, the Jews themselves, you know, were brought up working. They had to work for God. They had to work um, for their atonement. They had to bring sacrifices. They had to bring um, uh, the lamb without blemish. They had to go through these rituals that God had ordained for them to follow. So they were used to working, okay? And then when Jesus came and did away with the Old Testament, it, you know, turned everything up on its head. This was something new for them. And outside of the Jews, then you had other religions of the day where everything was based on works. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of built into man to try and work and to try and fix things. So if we see a problem, we want to fix it ourselves. You know, the, the simplicity of salvation that we don't have to do anything is something that is often uh, not welcomed by us. We want to do something. We actually want to have a, 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 a part of the solution and I believe it's because we want to have pride in that solution. We want to say that we did that, okay? And most of the religions at this time, when, when Paul was talking, and Paul was going around preaching, this was a common theme that he was encountering. It was a common theme um, of people attacking the gospel, and it was also a common theme of even the churches that he helped plant. This false doctrine would constantly creep in over and over again that you had to work, for your salvation, that salvation was based on your good works. And so Paul was defending the gospel, and he was attacking these false teachings of work-based salvation. You know, Paul is attacking a false idea of faith. That's what Paul was doing in his epistles. In this epistle here by James, we see that James is not discounting any of that, but merely he too was defending the same gospel. And he's attacking another false idea of faith, whereby faith is nothing more than a head knowledge and avoid um, of any changes or actions in the life of the believer. So you see, James is, is, is not fighting with Paul. He's just simply fighting another false teaching. What Paul was addressing in his epistles is very different from what James is addressing here. But they're both addressing false ideas of faith. James is not condoning a works-based salvation, but rather emphasizing the importance of having salvation-based works in the life of the true believer. That's what he's talking about here when he describes works and um, that, you know, faith without works is dead. He's saying that we're not saved by our works, but when we're saved, there should be works, all right? We are, there, there should be a salvation-based work, a work that comes through our salvation. The Bible says that we are to work out our salvation. Each and every one of us are to work out our salvation. So clearly, God wants us to do something with our lives. He hasn't just saved us to save us to sit down. He actually has plans for us. They involve actions. That's what works are. And that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about um, the, the necessary work in the life of the believer um, that comes or stems from the fact that they are saved, from a real faith. You know, Paul himself actually states the same thing in Ephesians 2.10. He says, you know... Um, for we are, we, are, we are Christ's workmanship. We are created unto good works. So Paul himself is saying the same thing. He's saying that when Christ 
died for us in Christ, um, you know, saved us, he saved us to work. He created us to do good works. We are not meant to be sitting down and doing nothing. So Paul and James are actually agreeing with one another. They're talking about the same things. It's just that what Paul is reinforcing in his epistles is attacking that false teaching of a works-based salvation, whereas James here is actually attacking a different um, a different idea of faith, a different false idea of faith. So what is James actually teaching here in James 2? You know, let's look at this in a bit more detail and we look at three points to see what James is trying to teach the people here at that time and also what he's trying to teach us today. Firstly, there is no value in a dead faith. In James uh, 2.14, He's asking the question, what do the profit or benefit, my brethren, do a man see of faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Notice that these are questions he's asking. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what do the, do the profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So James here is trying to get the saints, he's trying to get the Christians, the believers, to question the genuinity of their faith. You know, how real is their faith? And he compares faith without works to that of fellow Christians needing food and clothes, so actual physical things. And, you know, even though we are aware that they need these physical things, we can see that they, that they need clothes, we can see that they need food, but yet we send them away with, with nothing more than a shallow blessing of words without what they actually need, okay? You know, he is trying to get us to understand that, you know, what use are just words to those people? They need food. They need clothes. We have food and clothes to give them. Why would we think that just telling them to go be warmed and filled is going to do anything for them, okay? It won't. It's of, it's of no use to them. James is trying to get them to, and us to understand that words without action is meaningless and not real. You know, that's what politicians do all day long. You know, that's what, um, uh, you know, most people in the world do. They'll say one thing, but they don't back up the words with actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. You know, that's, that's the common adage that everyone keeps repeating and repeating, but no one keeps living it. You know, they keep saying about it, but yet their lives don't show what, they, what it is they're actually saying. They're not living out what they're, what they're trying to preach, so to speak. They're, 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 they're full of words. People are very, you know, we're very quick to hand out words. We're very quick to um, say we'll do something, but we're a lot slower to actually do it. We're very slow to do the thing that we said we were going to do. And this is not just unbelievers. This is Christians. This is, this is mankind. And this is what he's talking about here is, you know, what use is it if someone comes to you, you know, and he uses the words brother and sister, especially to, you know, to indicate your fellow Christians, if they come to you with physical needs and you send them away, or I send them away with nothing more than a blessing in words, how is that really going to bless them when we had the ability to actually provide for their needs? You know, we should have done something. If we saw the need, we should have provided for that need if it was in our ability to do so. Okay? And James is trying to get them to understand that he uses that analogy that faith without works is the exact same. 
you know, if we're just seeing things, but we're not actually doing the things that we're seeing, then it's the same thing as someone looking for food off us and us telling them to go be filled without giving them the food to fill themselves. It's the same thing. That's the analogy he's using. A real living faith will have substance to it. You know, if all we have is nicely spoken words, then we're pretty poor. You know, we are pretty poor. Where's the value in just words? You know, it's a real faith should have substance. It should, you know, it should have um, uh, uh, something that we can measure. Right? You know, if we can't, uh, if we can't measure something, it's because it doesn't have any substance. It's not real. Okay? It's like it's like vapor. It's 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 there's nothing tangible that we can grab onto. There needs to be something physically real with our faith that others, including ourselves, can actually see and that can actually measure. That's what he's talking about here. We don't, we don't need works to save us. He's not talking about a works-based salvation, but he's saying that if you're saved, if we are, you know, truly following God, if we're truly following after him, if we're truly trying to live the way God wants us to live, then shouldn't there be works to prove that, to show that, to demonstrate that? Shouldn't there be some substance to our actual faith? Or is it a dead faith? You know, so he's trying to, he's trying to get the people here to question, how real is your faith? And let's, let's really break faith down to what it actually is, and not what you think, or what, what, what the people at the time thought that it might have been, um, which included, you know, ideas of, you know, um, I, I, be, I believe in God, I've got faith, so I guess I'm okay. No, he's trying, to, he's trying to get them to understand that there's more to it than just that. There needs to be substance to it. There needs to be something real to it, something tangible. You know, and that's why he uses the comparison here um, of, the, of the fellow Christian needing some physical needs, and we're failing to provide them even though we can. You know, there needs to be more to our faith than just words. We have to back it up with actions. So there is no value in a dead faith. You know, if we want to, if we want to have a, a faith that's worth having, it needs to be a real faith. It needs to be something that's living. You know, we're supposed to be uh, uh, worshiping and, and following and living for a living, risen Savior. You know, if our faith has nothing tangible to it, and, and there's nothing real to it, and there, and there is no uh, none of these good works that God wants us to do, if there's, if there's none of them present, then are we really serving or? A living savior, because our dead faith would kind of uh, imply that we're serving a dead savior. You know, if it's a living savior, it needs to be a living faith. That faith needs to be strong, and that faith needs to have substance. James is trying to teach them that there is no value in a dead faith. And there's many Christians, you know, are obviously, obviously they were around at James's time, and probably even more so now, that are going through their lives with this dead faith. You know. There is no substance to it. It's just all words. It's all words. They, 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 they say one thing, but they never follow through in that. They, they fail to actually do what it is that they're trying to say. Um, and it's a dead faith. There's no value in that. And that's what James is trying to teach us. We need to have a faith that's worth something. We need to have a faith that actually has value in it, that has uh, something tangible to it. So there is no value in a dead faith. The second thing James is trying to teach here is that there is more to faith than the acknowledgement of facts. Okay, look there in verse 19. Look there in verse 19. Thou believest 
Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So James here is clearly stating, stating that, um, you know, to the, to, the, to, the, to the Christians here, he's acknowledging that they're saying they believe in God, that, 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 um, that they've said they believe in God, and that they truly do believe in God, right? And he's saying, well, that's good. You do well. But he's also saying that, you know, the devils also believe that, and they tremble, okay? What he's, what he, what he's talking about here, or what he's trying to get to understand, is that there is a difference, okay? There's, there, there, there's a difference between simply acknowledging the fact that God exists to having a faith and a trust and a hope in that God, okay, and having a faith and trust in what that God tells us to do, and in what that God is, um, you know, leading you in your life. There's a difference between acknowledging that God exists and actually putting your faith or trust into him. James states that, you know, the devil has acknowledged the fact that God exists, you know. So when we say, um, you know, I believe in God, or people will wholeheartedly agree with you and say, I believe in God, they're just acknowledging a fact. God exists. God, we can agree on that. Most Christians would probably agree that God is real and he does exist. That's good. But where's your faith? You know, where's your trust? What are you trusting in, in God for? Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's not enough for someone to state and acknowledge that God exists, you know. That should be a given. You know, we, you don't need to be saved to know that God exists, right? You just look around at creation and you should know that God exists, right? You know, evolutionists have spent years trying to prove that God doesn't exist. And they're failing miserably all the time. They can't answer the basic questions. Where did it all come from? You know, no matter how much time they give it, and how many millions and billions of years that add onto the equation, they still come back to the same origin dilemma. Where did time come from? Who started it all? When, when did it start? You know, what was before the Big Bang? They don't know. And, the, you know, people um, from all forms of different religions, some cults, some, you know, what, call them what you want, um, but they're, they're, they're painted with the same Christian paintbrush they're 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 put in under that broad umbrella of christianity um because they're they mention christ or they've got some book that mentions christ and um, these people will say i believe god you know and they probably do believe that god exists but when you look at their life where's their faith you know where, where what are they trusting in god to do what why are they where's their hope um you know is there more to them than just simply acknowledging the fact that God exists? Um, or do they have something real and tangible in their life? You know, people, um, people need to believe, you know, um, it's, more importantly than believing that God exists, they need to believe the gospel. They need to believe that Christ died, was buried and rose again in order to pay for their sin debt so that they can be forgiven and escape an eternity of hell. That's what's really important. You know, it's not enough just to acknowledge that God exists, okay? You can go through your entire life and acknowledge that God exists. When you die, you might be going down the broad and, that, uh, the broad and um, wide way, even though you've acknowledged that God existed for your entire life. You know, I'm sure there's many Catholics, devout Catholics, 
that acknowledge that God exists wholeheartedly, and they probably have you know, a sort of faith in that, that God exists, but they've never placed their faith in what Christ did for them. And there's a difference, you see. There's a difference between acknowledging the fact that God exists and actually putting your faith into him and putting your faith into something that he did for us. The gospel, that's what Paul was preaching. That's what Paul was teaching. He was not preaching simply that God exists, but that God did something for you. That God became a man so that he could live a sinless life and to die in your place to pay for your sin debt. That's what Paul was preaching. He wasn't just preaching that God existed. He was preaching that God became a living savior for you. And James is talking about the same thing. He's talking that, look, it's not just, it's not just enough to believe that God exists. You have to have something invested in him. You need to put something of you in him. And that is your hope and your trust or your faith. You know, saying, saying that we believe in God is one thing, but placing all of our faith or trust or hope in the finished work of salvation, the cross is something much more. And that's what James is really talking about here. He's trying to get them to, you know, to get away from just um, what we might think in our heads or what we might know to be true in our heads to what we actually have in our hearts. What are we using to guide our life? What are we using to, um, you know, help us decide how to live our lives? Well, if, we're, if we really have placed our faith and trust in God, then it is God directing our lives, right? It's not just what we think in our head. We're actually allowing what he has taught us in his word, what his Holy Spirit is giving us. We're allowing that to come out from us, right? And that is the working out of our salvation, isn't it? When we allow God to, um, when we allow God to have his way with us, that we actually start doing the things that he wants us to do, we then work out our salvation. There's our, there's our salvation-based works. So we need to have, you know, James is trying to teach that we need to have a faith that's more than just the acknowledgement that God exists. You know, we need to have a faith that shows people that God died for us, that God um, is our Savior, and that he can save them too. That's what James is really trying to push on the people here. So we see that there's, James is trying to teach them that there's no value in a dead faith. We need to have a real living faith. And there's more to faith than just acknowledging that God exists. And he also is trying to teach them here in this passage of Scripture that um, a real faith will be demonstrated by works. If you look there in verse um, 18, a real faith will be demonstrated by works. Verse 18 Yea, a man may say, thou hast, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. I'm not too sure if James was being slightly, um, you know, a bit humorous here when he was saying this, um, but nevertheless, you know, it is it doesn't take away from the truth that he's getting across. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. 
you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James here, you know, is, 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 is talking about, um, you know, a faith that has works. These, these, these good works that were created unto, uh, you know, a salvation-based work, something that, that comes after we're saved. And in this passage of scripture, this exact chapter, this is where all the confusion originates from. You know, the reason they're confused is because they think that James is specifically talking about salvation here. They think that he's talking about stuff that we have to do to get saved. But James never mentions salvation here. He never mentions the process to get saved. He doesn't even mention Christ dying for anyone here. He is talking about faith. This is where the Catholics got it wrong. This is where the Mormons got it wrong. This is where the Jehovah's Witnesses got it wrong. They look at this and they see Paul and James fighting because they think James is talking about salvation here. He's not. He's talking to saved people about their faith. How real is their faith? And they make sure, are you truly saved? Because if you're not truly saved, it's because not what, not that what Jesus did was wrong, but your faith is wrong. Your idea of faith is wrong. You know, God has made it pretty clear in his word here that salvation is simple. If we believe, if we, if we put our whole trust and faith in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross, um, to pay for our sin debt, that that's what actually removes, um, uh, you know, God's judgment of sin in our lives, and that's what allows us into heaven. If we believe that with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul and all our strength, then that's what saves us. That's a real faith. But are, but are we thinking that we're okay with God just because we've acknowledged that God exists and that God is real and that, you know, we want to live for God? That's what James is, that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about faith, real faith, and real faith will produce good works. You know, there's, there's, there's different Christians around the moment that spend their time uh, fighting amongst each other, debating these points, and some of them will try to prove that, you know, um, uh, that you can't possibly, um, you know, have the expectation of works in the life of the Christian, because then that's, you know, they're linking that back to salvation and saying, well, if we're expected to work to be saved, then, you know, how can it be by faith alone? But again, it's because they're reading James wrong. James is not saying that there's an expectation of works to be saved. He's saying that because you're saved, you're expected to work. You know, God um, doesn't, you know, God never picked anyone in the Old Testament to just sit there. You know, he always chose someone to do something. They had a plan for their lives. They obviously had to work. There was actions that they needed to do. And we are no different. You know, James makes reference to Abraham's faith and that how it was wrought or performed with his works and that it was his works which made, the, which made his faith perfect. It's what proved and demonstrated his faith. When Abraham was willing to bring Isaac up to the altar like God commanded, it was his obedience to the command that proved or made his faith real. Okay, that's what, that's what James is that's what James is referencing here when, when he's talking about Abraham. And Hebrews chapter 11, just a page or two back, is completely dedicated to the historical recounting of various men and women, not just Abraham, who demonstrated their faith through works. 
Verse after verse after verse in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about people who by faith did something. By faith, they, they worked out their faith, okay? And we are no different. We too are supposed to work out our faith. We are supposed to work out our salvation. If our faith is real, then we should be producing good works. You know, not that we need the good works to save us, but because we are saved by the Savior, we should be producing good works. We should be working for him. And that's exactly what James is talking about here, that if we say, if, if a man says that he has faith and he doesn't have works, then how real is that faith? Is it real? Does it have any substance to it? Or is it just words? No, he's saying that faith has to have works. Faith needs to produce works. That's why we're saved. We're saved unto good works. You know, Paul didn't say that good works saves us. He said that we are saved unto good works. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. He's talking about the absolute essential truth that Christians, as born-again, saved believers, we need to have good works in our lives. Our faith needs to produce something real. It needs, there needs to be something tangible. Just like the fruit tree producing fruit, um, you know, there might be different times of fruit giving. You know, there's times when that tree might produce fruit more often than other times. You know, seasons. You know, every 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 year. You know, trees. You know, any any of the um, fruit yielding trees and um, uh, herbs and stuff. They have seasons, right? You know, and they go through that season. They go through seasons where they're bare and they're not producing anything. But it's not that they're sitting there idle. They're preparing to produce fruit, right? They're, they're gathering in the nutrients from the water. They're gathering in the nutrients from the, from the sunlight. They are building some, they're building themselves up. They're preparing themselves to be able to produce fruit in their season. And it goes through that cycle, right? And Christians are kind of like that. You know, there's times when you might not see fruit coming for us. But if our faith is real, God should still be working in us, building us up, nurturing us, and preparing us to be able to bear forth the fruit in his time. You know, when he makes us ready, we will bear forth that fruit. But there should be some fruit eventually. You know, we should have seasons of fruitfulness. And there might be some seasons of barrenness. You know, I think that's a part of the Christian life. We have our ups and downs, the valleys, like David described it. But there should be times when we're producing fruit. And it's the same with our with works. There might be times when... You know, we're not producing as much works as we might have done before, or, or you know, you, you might be able to see as much of it. But if our faith is real, God's working in us, right? God is working on us and preparing us to be able to produce those good works when we're ready. But if we've never produced good works, or if we're failing to produce good works, that is what James is trying to, that's the crux of what James is dealing with here is, is your faith real? You know, if you're, if, if we can look at our lives and examine ourselves, just like he did in, in chapter 1 when he talked about like the, like the man beholding himself in the mirror, if we can look in the mirror and we can honestly assess ourselves and see, where's the, work, where's the good works in my life? Where is the fruit in my life? Is my faith real? Is it genuine? Do I have a faith that's, that's valuable and tangible and that has a value to it, that has a substance to it? Or am I like, the people here that James is talking about where the faith is dead. You see, so James is talking about the, the contrast between 
a faith without works and a faith with works. He is not talking about having to have works to get saved. He's not talking about salvation, he's talking about faith. And he's just like Paul and totally agreeing with Paul, they're both defending the gospel, they're both defending their faith against the false ideas of faith that man has. And, you know, Christians, if they can get back to to what God has said in in, in the Bible and get back to um, what God has described faith as, then the confusion will go away. You know, as long as they continue to rely on their own thinking and what someone else has taught them or what they heard from somewhere else or what they saw on a YouTube video or what blog they read, if they continue to leverage those uh, sources as truth as opposed to what God has said, the confusion will continue. You know, and people will continue to miss the point. They'll have People will still try to work their way into heaven or people will sit down in the chair thinking that they're okay and that they're saved you know, and they don't have to do anything. But that's, both of them are wrong. You know, we don't have to do anything to get into heaven, but, you know, we do need to do things. You know, God has clearly told us we do need to do things once we are saved. So, you know, James is talking about, um, he's not talking about a work-based salvation. He's trying to prove that a work, a works-based salvation is, is wrong. It's a false teaching. It's a doctrine, just like Paul did. You know, works, works don't save anyone. Um, you know, it's by God's grace. You know, it's by God's grace through our faith. That's what it says in Ephesians, that it's that we are saved by grace. It's by God's grace that we're even allowed to be saved, but it's through our faith. It's through our whole obedience to God, putting our, our whole hope and our and and our whole willingness to do what He tells us to, that's what enables His grace to save us. Alright? He's done his part. The grace is there. He was willing to extend the offer. Right? We need to show faith. We need to, we need to put our trust in Him. Some real faith with action and with, um, substance to it to enable, to, to, to allow us to actually avail of that grace. Right? So we're, we're saved by grace through our faith. It is not the works that saves us, but it's that real faith in, 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 in Christ's works. The presence of salvation based works is very much demanded by God in the life of the believer. You know, we are saved to work. We are saved to work. You know, if God didn't want us to do things in our Christian life, then, you know, he wouldn't have given us the book, right? And if it was just a matter of Christ dying for us to make everything okay, then, you know, Christ wouldn't have left the the church with commandments. He wouldn't have left the church you know, with instructions, he told the apostles, go, preach, teach others all that I've commanded you. Well, if, you know, if those good works weren't necessary, then why would he tell them to do so? You see, they are necessary. They are absolutely necessary in the, in, in, in the life of the believer. Um, you know, we might struggle and fail, um, you know, mess them up at times, but it doesn't discount the fact that we have to do them, right? They are absolutely essential. And, you know, the, you know, there's people out there that will try to um, you know, argue that and say that, oh, you're preaching a works-based salvation, you know, that you're depending on good works. We're not depending on good works to be saved. But once you're saved, we need to be doing some good works. Amen?